I am. For posterity's sake, this is Pantheon Very Special Agent Jacob Lee. The time is uh, 9.17 a.m. Date is January 1st. Year is 2000. Happy New Millennium. Kicking off like gangbusters. We are currently making our approach towards the luxury yacht Jormungandr, where last night a stolen Pantheon asset was to be auctioned off to a collection of Pantheon and the larger UN's most wanted. We had a man on the inside, sent to recover the asset, but as of yet we have not received their call for extraction. We must work under the assumption that they have failed. I'm gonna have to further update you afterwards, since the yacht should be coming into... Holy hell. Take us down there, soldier! But sir, it's still- TAKE US DOWN! This is Lee to all channels. Safety's off, folks. Mark my words, you do not fire without my say-so. For the love of God, we cannot damage that asset. There's absolutely no telling what that thing can do. Jesus Christ, Diane. It's pure carnage down there. to another season of Murder Mystery Night, the podcast. I am your host, Riley E. Walton, and here to introduce themselves in order of how much they regret putting a couch gag in here are your players. (laughs) I am exempt, as I already introduced myself. Hey, everybody. Yasir Pope here, and I am playing the role of General Disdain. Hello, I'm Mihaela Whitecloud. I am back playing the mysterious role of Masquerade. Hello, you cool cats and or kittens. <laughs> I'm Benjamin Lambert, and I'm playing the role of Snake Root. And we're glad to have you all back as well. And without further ado, dear listener, allow me to set the scene. The year is 1999. The time is, oh, 9.15 p.m. And there... 200 nautical miles off the coast of New York City flies a helicopter. Sitting inside the cabin of the helicopter is the woman called Masquerade. Her blonde hair falls over the edges of her crow-shaped mask. From behind the eye holes poke two green eyes that stare out over the passing ocean. She breathes heavily, constricted by the skin-tight suit she wears underneath her tuxedo pants and her tuxedo jacket. She fiddles with the purple metal buttons running along the length of the jacket. And silently to herself, she thanks God for the snow. Masquerade, as your helicopter approaches the luxury yacht Jormungandr, I want to know what you're thinking. My mind is quite set on my goals, what I need to do. Are you going to say anything to the, to the pilot of the helicopter, or are you just going to let him sit you down? I'm sure you're aching with questions about me. Many do. The man in the pilot seat of the helicopter is dressed mostly in leather. He's got a long leather overcoat, leather pants, leather combat boots, and a leather hat. In fact, he reminds you, dressed in all this black, of a member of the SS. But on his face rests a gas mask. And through it he says, Well, ma'am, we've been instructed not to ask questions. Well, considering where we're going, perhaps it's best you might not like the answers. Yes, ma'am, of course. 
As the plane touches down on the helipad, you step off and onto the Jormungandr, luxury yacht belonging to one Herr Okimater. The helicopter takes off again, and you're left 200 nautical miles off the coast of New York. Ahead of you, you can see two similarly dressed henchmen, except this time they're both holding submachine guns. They stand guard at a metal detector, with a small stand set up to swipe a card of some sort. Masquerade, what are you going to do? Masquerade for a moment considered changing her face, and then decided now was probably not the best time, and decided to walk up. You leave the helipad and approach the two armed henchmen. Invitation, please, madam. Why, of course. And she pulls out her invitation. The first henchman takes your invitation, and he informs you, all representatives of Falk must take the pack down. There's too much metal to go through the metal detectors. Well, of course. You step off to the side, and the other henchman comes up and starts to pat you down, holding your arms up, all that sorts of stuff. Roll for sneak. Natural 20. Natural 20. All right. My dice don't let me down. So how I want to play getting a crit, Mm -hmm. you said there's two guards, um, and one of the guards is patting me down, right? One of the guards is patting you down. The other is about to swipe your invitation. I'll just kind of mindlessly ask, looking at the other guard, it's a shame the other one didn't want to help. The other guard turns to you and he shoots it, and he says, you should know as well as anyone to take that stuff out of you at the academy. He swipes your custom invitation, and the invitation swipe beeps out a horrible noise, and it seems to reject your invitation. Oh, that's odd, says the henchman. He swipes it again, and this time it's accepted. Must be the millennium. Perhaps you were just a bit distracted by my comment and swiped a little too slow. He uh, hands you back your card. The henchman who was patting you down informs you there's a cocktail hour happening down on the lower deck, and at 11.30, we'll move into the ballroom for the main auction. Well, of course. Will you be joining me at cocktail hour? All 100 of us are on security detail tonight, ma'am. 100 of you? Hmm. Nothing's going to go wrong tonight. Giving a bit of a roguish wink, and knowing what my intentions truly are, I will step inside. Let's move down to that cocktail hour. On the main deck of the ship, we have a collection, a cadre, of the world's greatest supervillains. Numbered among them is leader of the eco-terrorist organization Nightshades Bloom, the one known as Snake Root. Where once they were human, they now cast off that part of themselves. Their body is adorned with sustainable eco-friendly accessories, such as bracelets, necklaces, rings, and other various instruments of jewelry. Their bottom half is adorned with loose black drawstring pants, and their top half is tangentially in a silk, nude-colored button-down shirt. Well, if it actually has any buttons, they're not using them. Instead, to keep warm on this cold New Year's Eve, they've drenched themselves in a green cape. On their face, in addition to exquisite makeup, they wear a green cat's eye mask, and in one hand hold a large wooden staff, in the other, champagne. Snake Root? Uh, Snake Root's looking around the boat, um, just kind of subtly checking out the materials, cringing when anything is a little bit too artificial, Um, looking at what the bar is made out of, seeing it's heavily covered in um, just preservatives and stuff, realizing it's never going to break down, shaking it off because I know I have to be here because it's a social thing. Across the deck from you, staring out at the ocean somberly, you can see a man in a bright neon green hazmat suit. 
color green's fun. I'll go on up. As you approach the man, he doesn't seem to take notice. Uh, hello there. Are you, uh, making a... Is this one of those new fancy uh, rave things, or is this, uh, like, actual hazmat deal? Oh, I assure you, says the man. This is the real deal. In my line of work, I can't afford not to be. Finally, the man in the hazmat suit turns around, and he seems to recognize you. Ah, Snake Root. That's your name, correct? God-given, sir. Ah, I've read some of your papers that you published back in academia, you know, before the transformation. I'm a doctor myself, you see. Dr. Pestilence. What, what's your whole shtick? Haven't, uh, I, I haven't heard your stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't heard of me, have you? Well, that's quite all right. I specialize in poisons, biological warfare, chemical warfare. You and I, we're quite similar in that way. You could say we've made the natural world our bitch. Uh, quick, quick point there, um, buddy boy. Um, your whole chemical get-up, all that, that's just leeching right back into the earth. All you're doing, you're poisoning whoever you're poisoning, but you're also poisoning good old Mother Nature. Oh, my fellow academic, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Why, all my plutonium is 100% organic. <laughs> Buddy boy, by the end of the night, you're gonna also find that these goddamn fists are organic if you keep this shit up. Dr. Pestilence, seemingly unshaken, grabs a drink off of a passing henchman's tray. Though there's no hole through which he can drink it, he motions to cheers with you. Right, right, of course. Standing on the other side of the deck, looking out at the other end of the ocean, is the mountain of muscle that's come to be known as General Disdain. He's dressed in a white, faux leather trench coat whose collar is conspicuously popped up just enough to cover his ears. He's in a red button-down shirt with black-fitted dress pants and black wingtips on the feet. It's a complex look for such a straightforward man. General... What's on your mind? I am trying so hard not to go over and kill Dr. Pestilence. And whoever the hell he was just talking to. Got Jay Leno and Rich Limbaugh, whoever the hell he is, just laughing at me on... <sighs> They'll all see tonight. They will all see tonight. As you stew in anger, General Disdain, somebody approaches from behind. Turning around, you can see them. She's a Caucasian albino woman whose hair has been forced into the shape of dreadlocks. She's wearing a sterling white zoot suit that's almost as white as her skin. Or at least, it would be. Because you see, in dark black ink over the entirety of her body, she has tattooed the outline of a skeleton. She's also got piercings on her lip and on her nose. And general... She is assuming a lot of familiarity with you. You're General Disdain, aren't you? Yes, and who are you? Why, they call me the White Zombie. That's the worst supervillain name I've ever heard. And here I was hoping we could make fast friends, General. Oh, oh, where are you going? Where are you going? I like the tattoos. I mean, look, we can work together. I just need to know more about you. You just, you know, you walked up to me saying my name. I, we'll talk later. Why don't you go meet me by the bar later? Masquerade, are you joining us for the cocktail hour? Yes. Yes, you are. All right. Down the stairs and onto the main deck 
walks masquerade. She looks out, and before the endless ocean, she sees snow falling towards the world's most wanted, including a large mountain of a man. He's dressed in the finest silk three-piece suit and a red overcoat that hangs off his shoulders. On top of his head, he wears a small, almost ironic crown. He walks over to you, Masquerade, with intent in his eyes. Ah, Josie, how wonderful again to make your acquaintance. As you like it. Like is such a strong word between co-workers like us. I liked your father, and look what happened to him. Is that before or after he blew my mother's brains out? That would be before. Mm. Great choice. I assume it was our mutual friends who sent you here? Correct. And I assume they're gunning for the same thing I am. Well, why don't you elaborate first? There's a big ticket item here tonight, Masquerade. Something that was stolen from a black site in the Arctic Circle that once belonged to Pantheon. I assume that the less-than-moral members of the espionage field have sent you here to gather it for themselves. Well, I simply like to peruse every opportunity that I can. Is that so? I'm a villain with a thousand faces. I have to know every facet, every angle first. Well, make sure your bosses don't hear that. In fact, he puts a hand on your shoulder and squeezes just a little bit too tight. I think I see one of them over there. And he walks away, leaving you staring at the man he was pointing at, Dr. Pestilence. Uh, Masquerade, are you going to do something here? I think she's going to walk over and go make friends. You approach Dr. Pestilence. Uh, Snake Root, are you still over there? I, I guess it depends on how long it's been since like we were talking. Not too long. Um, I'd say Snake Root's probably getting ready to leave the area on his way out, but he's still nearby. You approach Dr. Pestilence, who is still talking to Snake Root, and what do you say? Well, I must say, the snow is simply captivating this evening, don't you think? It's hard to see through the tinted glass of his hazmat suit, but Dr. Pestilence seems almost surprised to see you there, Masquerade. Masquerade, he says. How peculiar to see you here as well. I believe I was here representing Thok tonight. I was sent simply to back up your wonderful presence. Well, I suppose there's no trouble in having a backup plan. What, you don't think there's room for one more? You know I love to have a little bit of fun. Yes, I suppose you do. Tell me, Josie, have you met the wonderful Dr. Cypress Linford? I'm afraid I have not. Ah, the pleasure's mine, although I do prefer, in this setting at least, to use the name Snake Root. Of course, and must I say, your outfit is wonderful this evening. Why, uh, thank you. Uh, back in our little, uh, commune, um, we have our own little silkworms that we rescued from those little kill sites that a lot of, uh, those silkers use. Um, they like us enough to give us these little gifts sometimes. That's certainly a noble cause, but let me give you a little bit of advice. If you want people to like you, don't talk so much. Dr. Pestilence nods to both of you. If you'll excuse me, I have to go make myself scarce. There's an old ex-co-worker here I've just seen. Masquerade, all the luck in our joint ventures tonight. Dr. Pestilence slumps off as General Disdain approaches. 
So, what's your two guys do? Gal, sorry. If you guys are trying to work together, you know, I don't have anybody because of an old friend of mine, I would say. So, you know, I'll be around. I'm the only cocky guy in the room built like Terry Crews, but, uh... I'm so sorry not to presume or anything, but this isn't, like, villain video dating or anything that they do on that, uh, newfangled technology. Uh, what's your sales pitch here? I don't need a sales pitch. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know who I've killed with these hands? With these biceps? With my legs, my calf muscles? I'm Hulk Hogan of this supervillain shit. Yeah, I'm gonna need a little refresher, Hoss. Sorry. General disdain. Triple OG supervillain. I've, I, I work with the best of them. That green, gooey, mumbo-jumbo-looking doctor, Dr. Pest, Dr. Pen Penicillin, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, that was my guy. Best so man. you're a supervillain, but the first thing you do is reveal all the cards in your hand? I think the number one rule is never reveal your true intentions, but, I mean, I suppose we're not all that super, are we? I'm sorry. Who are you? I look at him and I croon my head to the side and I reach under my mask and I click my button. Clicking the button under the beak of your nose, small specks of light start to appear around you. The wetsuit that you're wearing underneath your tuxedo, it seems to shimmer and glow and soon enough, the visage of masquerade is replaced with the image of general disdain. You see, I'm exactly whoever I need to be. Now tell me, what is it you do again? I'm here doing the same thing everybody else is doing. I'm here for one thing, world domination, power, whichever one you want to call it, they're all the same. I've stolen missiles or tried to. I've worked with the best of the best. I have my own mercenaries. All of that turned to dust two years ago, but that's what I'm here today for. And with an ability like that, you're looking like someone I could really use on my team. Masquerade feigns a yawn as he's talking. Masquerade still disguised as General Disdain yawns at the words of General Disdain. He feigns his yawn, and then he looks over at Snake Root and says, well, at least there's some interesting conversation in this party. Hey, yo, that, that's, that's cool as hell. That's real neat. I like that. That's cool. And giving my nod to Snake Root, I will break off of the two and go explore the aqua. Are you still general disdain? No, I will change back to the blonde woman I was. You gonna turn into me, yawn in my face, walk away, and then turn back into your... She has to go. She are you, to are go. you going after her? Yes. Snake Root finds this whole conversation kind of awkward, and this is kind of par for the course with supervillains in their experience, and uh, they're just gonna giddy on out of there. Snake Root, seeing General Disdain approach with anger towards Masquerade, decides it's not their battle and leaves the two to it. General Disdain, since Masquerade presumably doesn't know you're there, I'm gonna ask you what you're about to do. I start marching towards Masquerade when a green glimpse of something catches my peripheral, stopping me in my tracks and changing my sense of focus. At the corner of your eye, roll for deduction. <laughs> Six. Yes. Uh, at the corner of your eye, you can see a glimpse, just something green moving into the cabin of the yacht. Are you going to go after it? Yes. You drastically change your position, masquerade narrowly avoiding death by seconds, 
and you chase after what you believe to be Dr. Pestilence. Masquerade, where are you heading? What are you doing? Personally, I just want to explore the app. I want to see what rooms are available and what rooms aren't available. You pass by countless henchmen, always working in teams of two. They're dressed the same as the others, and they're carrying submachine guns themselves. You walk by, and these don't look like regular doors you've seen on regular yachts. They're heavier, sort of like vault doors, but they come together in the middle, and you can't see a door handle anywhere. As you make your way to the back of the yacht, you can see that there's two doorways. I'll choose the one on the left. You walk up to the door on the left, and it opens automatically. Much more high-tech than the doors you're used to, especially on a yacht. And behind it, you can see a linen closet. I will approach said linen closet, but I'm not going to walk in it. I'll instead simply, is this occupied? The, the towels don't answer. <laughs> the towels don't answer. Wonderful. Uh, do you want to try a door on the right? You approach the door on the right, and it too opens without any without any problem, revealing a small staircase that going down. I'll go down. You enter into the staircase, and we cut away to Snake Root. Uh, Snake Root was just walking away from those two, um, uh, General Disdain and Masquerade. Um, and they're just going to keep going and figure out where that takes them. They walk and they find themselves at the point of the ship. Nothing ahead of them but ocean. Nothing behind them but danger. I'm going to very quickly do the King of the World thing from Titanic. As you splay your arms out, you feel a set of hands wrap around your waist. Fuck. And a familiar kiss lands on your cheek. The woman behind you feigns a laugh. Oh, you were always a funny one, weren't you? She says. You can recognize her. It's your much-regretted love affair, the white zombie. Sorry, I don't, uh, I don't recognize jokes from white women in dreadlocks. I'll have you know, I wear this out of respect for the African people. Yeah, and what do they think about that? Uh, before she can answer, doom, 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 a giant man comes strolling over. Hey there, big boy. Hello, snake root. Hello, zombie. Mr. Mountain rolls his eyes, and there's a definite tinge of disdain in his voice as he addresses both of you. Hey, uh, mountain man. Um, I, I tried working with, uh, big ol', um, white ass over here. Um, didn't work out too well. Turns out she's not too big into the whole earth around us. Could use a big boy like you, though. You, uh, you looking for work? You like the environment? I had a doctor job once. I got some money. Am I looking for work? Could be a partnership or something. Whatever you prefer. I'm not too big on, like, uh, terms revolving around, like, hierarchy. Mr. Mountain grabs you by the cape. I will give you one chance in the spirit of the holidays to rethink how you address me. Yeah, all right. I'll take that as a no, Hoss. So that's a no on the whole environment thing. Mr. Mountain picks you up and tosses you back down to the ground. I can see what attracted you two to each other. One is as despicable as the other in my eyes. I hit him with my cane, which is also my hidden electric cattle prod that I have. 
Your wooden staff comes crashing against the side of his head as an electric shock jostles out and burns him on his side. He stumbles back and touches where his face was burnt. That was your one chance. Yet, instead of attacking, he stands up tall with as much dignity as he can muster, and he walks away towards the main cabin. Uh, Snake Root pulls out a piece of paper and adds a third name to it. First name on the list is White Zombie. Second name on the list is Dr. Pestilence. Third name is Mountain Man or whatever the fuck. Mr. Mountain. Mountain Man. All right. uh, We're going to go back to General Disdain. Are you still following that green blur you saw? Yes, I am. I want to confront this green blur because I am under the impression that this could be Dr. Pestilence, who I have not seen since he robbed me of everything we worked for. You can see the green blur move into another pair of those high-tech doors, and you follow after it. But it reveals itself, in fact, not to be Dr. Pestilence. It's a large green canvas sheet that's been put over something. It's taller than you, and it's being wheeled into the stage area of the ballroom. Around you, you can see other pieces of weaponry and paraphernalia that are going to be auctioned off tonight. You can see the deed to John Wayne Gacy's house. You can see Fidel Castro's cigar box. You can see the gun that Hitler used to kill himself. But underneath that green canvas sheet, you know it can only be one thing. I can only assume that was behind that green sheet is why I'm out 200 nautical miles away from New York City. I want that. I need that. The henchman who wheeled it in exits out a side door seeming not to notice you. Do you want to approach? Him? The sheets. The thing. (laughs) Yes, I approach the sheet, quickly trying to sneak a peek. I grab it from the bottom and I pull it upward. As you approach this large green canvas colored sheet, you can see it's about twice your size up and down. It's about three times your size side to side. It's large, it's cylindrical, and you can hear a bubbling sound coming from inside of it. You reach your hands to the bottom of the sheet and attempt to pull it off, but before you can, you hear behind you, Aegaminus! Turning around, you see an overweight, older gentleman in a wheelchair. He's dressed in a leather SS uniform, and he's got two oxygen tanks strapped to the back of his motorized wheelchair. He takes a deep breath of oxygen through his mask. I can see that you are excited for the festivities to begin. But please, I must ask that you refrain from taking any sneak peeks. You see, the future is only valuable like platinum in its rarity. It's a good thing that I'm going to walk away from this night with it. And if I don't, I'll just kill everybody. (laughs) The man wheels closer to you. You are a man of great gall. That is why I brought you here. That is why I have sent you your invitation. But beware, General. Not all of us are playing with phantom armies. The hare snaps his fingers, and in rush, 50 henchmen with submachine guns pointed directly towards you. Fuck. I know that you have never been the smartest of those in attendance tonight. But I trust 
The calculations are well within your ability. Of course. I have common sense. I might be dumb, but I got common sense. I don't want to die. I, I'm strong. I'm not bulletproof. Then please, feel free to peruse our other wares that will be up for auction tonight. But leave the big ticket item as a surprise. Uh, back down on the lower levels, we meet back up with Masquerade. This is a navigation room that you've entered into. There's screens upon screens of high-tech global positioning systems and the computers that control the various systems of the Jormungandr. Not a very well-lit room, but it's also not a very well-manned room. It seems like all of this sort of runs of its own accord. Is there anybody in the room that I can see? No. Okay, just to take a cautionary measure, I'm going to click my mask and I'm going to transform into one of the many henchmen that I saw. A shimmer of light unfolds around you, and when it dissipates, you would seem to the naked eye to be dressed as an SS officer in a leather gas mask. And then I will simply um, just go ahead and look around at some of the navigation systems, moreover, just curious. Um, but I do want to get a general layout of the ship itself. You walk through, and on one of the navigation systems, you can see electronically displayed are the blueprints to the ship. You can see the many passenger cabins, as well as the kitchen, the area where you are now, a storage center, a master bedroom suite, the ballroom, the main deck, the helipad, the dining area. It seems like somewhere near where you are, there's a hidden compartment. Am I able to, and it's, it's a digital map, right? It is a digital map. Okay, I just want to try and commit that to memory, and I want to go find where that hidden compartment is. Uh, roll for education. You're able to remember some of it, but it's such an extensive map that you'd have to spend a lot more time studying it to really get the full experience. Although you do, you are able to tell that that hidden room, the door to it should be directly behind you. I will try and make my way with my poor roll of eight <laughs> to where I think the door would be in the room. You're at where the door should be, but there's no large vault doors that you can see that are like the doors on the rest of the ship. Uh, you could try to search for one. I would like to do that. With a 17 total for on your deduction roll, uh, you're able to feel around the wall and you can press in on a small compartment. Pressing in on the compartment, it pops open, revealing a regular lock, like you would put a key into, as opposed to the more high-tech equipment that you've seen on the yacht. So I will pull out one of my hidden, my two hidden knives in my sleeves, and I'll take one out, and I'll try and pick the lock. You move your knives around the inside of the lock until you can hear it click into place. Slowly, the door... Slowly, the door slides open, and on the other side is a room full of medical equipment. Can I discern what this equipment would be used for on somebody? You can. You can look. It looks almost like MRI machines and X-ray machines, except it's missing all of its magnetic components. Does there anything that pops out that is out of the ordinary? She's looking for anything that might seem a little weird. You can see a file cabinet on the other side of the room, but it looks like it has a biometric lock on it. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I'll head back upstairs. Uh, do you keep the door open? No. No. All right. You close the door behind you and you head upstairs. And we cut back to Snake Root on the deck of the ship, now standing alone, having sent away both Mr. Mountain and the white zombie. Having just looked at their hit list, Snake Root ponders a moment, decides this party needs a little more action than what's going on, and decides to go about a little sneaky plan. I would love to know how you plan to go about this. Having had regrettable um, relationships with um, White Zombie in the past, I do know they have a fondness for drinking. Um, I also know Dr. Pestulence won't drink, so I can't necessarily kill him right this moment, but I can usher in a fate worse than death given his affinity for poisons, um, of which I have three on me right this moment. I plan to essentially poison um, White Zombie, give another one of my vials, secretly, of course, to Dr. Pestulence so it'll be discovered in his belongings, and the third vial of poison, I guess we'll just find out, huh? I kind of meant, like, what oh, are you... Oh, like right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you physically oh, doing? Oh, like right, right now. now. I'm going to go to the bar. You approach the bar, wooden staff in hand, cape billowing behind you. Uh, do I see white zombie there? White zombie is on the other end of the deck attempting and failing to cozy up to Dr. Pestilence. Hey, barkeep. Uh, uh, give me a flaming zombie, please. Um, Y'all got recyclable cups? Sorry, just glass here. And they slam the shot glass on the ground and they mix a wonderful flaming zombie, setting it ablaze before they hand it to, slide it to you. Yeah, all right, that's fine, I guess. Glass not that Glass isn't that bad. Uh, I pick it up and I go walk over to White Zombie. Uh, you walk, you approach White Zombie and Dr. Pestilence. Dr. Pestilence looks happy to see you. How wonderful to become reacquainted with you. I see I've struck up the attention of your old flame. Well, uh, actually, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, Doc. Uh, I was in a little bit of a bad mood when we first met, and I wanted to apologize for that. You see, uh, some past relationship trauma, you know, I was a little upset uh, when we were talking, and I shouldn't have taken that out on you. And White Zombie, I do want to apologize. I also took that out on you. That's not healthy. Um, we should be at least friends, you know? Oh, it's no problem, sugar. And she gives you another kiss on the cheek. Uh, here, here is the drink I got you to make an amends. Uh, Doc, I would have got you one, but I don't know how you could put it in your face with that little screen up there. White zombie takes the drink and downs the shot, flame and all, without any problem. How do you do that? Well, that's a trade secret, honey. Must be magic. Yeah, all right. I'm going to feign a sneeze real quick, and while I do that, I'm going to put some poison on my cheek. All right. Uh, roll for sneak. 17. You feign a sneeze, and while White Zombie doesn't see you, Dr. Pestilence does. 
Uh, I'm going to keep flirting it up, talking to both of them, all goody-two-shoes and all that, and I'm just going to see if White Zombie in her specific personality decides to go for another one of those pecks on the cheek. Uh, man, I guess to prompt that, I'm going to say, uh, you seem to have no trouble with that last drink. You want me to go get another one? I figure I owe you. Uh, she embraces you, and indeed she does kiss you on the cheek once again. Well, honey, that'd be delightful. Absolutely. Yeah, I go get another drink not to seem suspicious, and I keep up the trade for a bit. As you walk over to the bar, Dr. Pestilence follows. He slaps your back and pulls you in tight to him, moving his hand around to your chest. Wow, ra rather friendly, Doc. You need a loose, <laughs> loose hazmat suit if you're going to get up like this. With the stuff I just put on you, this hazmat's the only thing keeping me alive. Uh, General Disdain, what are you doing? After being caught sneaking a peek at the mystery weapon that will be sold at the auction tonight, I make my way back up to the deck where I see everyone enjoying themselves. I look around, observing where I might explore next. I see Dr. Pestilence and Snake Roots together, and I quickly am fueled with anger. One person who disrespected me, and the other person betrayed me. I look into my inventory for one of my knives. Pulling out one of your hunting knives... You get, cock your arm back and get ready to throw it, but you feel a massive hand come to rest across your fist. And there stands Mr. Mountain. General! There's a gleam of respect in his eye as he gazes down at you. Mr. Mountain. It was a damn shame what happened to you. Merc was a fine operation. Finally, someone who understands real power when they've witnessed it. Power, yes. That's why we're here tonight. Say, can I offer you a drink? Only if I can offer you one in return. Certainly. Mr. Mountain grabs two glasses of champagne off of a passing henchman and offers one to you and keeps one to himself. You know, I've had some dealings with your organization back in its heyday. I must say, I appreciate a well-run operation. Well, you know me. If the ship isn't tight, it's sinking. How true. Tell me, how many mercenaries do you still employ these days? They're gone. All of them. All of them. They're gone. Well, tell me, General. How would you like them back? What do you think? I love that. Well then, I sense here the beginnings of a wonderful partnership. Every king needs somebody to lead his armies. Don't you think that's right? Thought you were reading my mind for a second. A toast then, General. To power and to the men who control the future. From one mountain of a man to another. Cheers. You clink your champagne glasses together and drink to the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Masquerade, you've made your way back up the stairs. Are you coming back to this little cocktail hour? I am. The main doors to the ballroom slide open and out wheels Herr Okunutter in his wheelchair. Attention, mine guests and distinguished allies, he calls out. 
please welcome yourselves into the ballroom. We will begin shortly. I know you are all excited for the main event, but rest assured, we have plenty of other exciting wares for you tonight. Mr. Mountain and myself walk into the ballroom, staying as close together as we can as we stumble on a new allyship. I grab Dr. Pestilence by the scruff of his neck, or I guess whatever the hazmat suit equivalent is, and we walk together. The two of you, uh, Dr. Pestilence and Snake Root, walk into the ballroom, and you can start to feel a burning sensation on your chest. Masquerade, you and White Zombie. The two of you enter into the ballroom as well. The ballroom itself is magnificent in its grandeur. There are glass cases lining the walls of various nefarious wares. You can see paraphernalia from genocidal dictators, from serial killers, from fellow supervillains. Some things such as a biblically aged spear catch your attention, but even that is nothing compared to what's underneath that green tarp. As you all come in and take your seats, Herr Okinator wheels himself up to the stage area. My distinguished business associates, I am proud to welcome you all here. General Disdain, representing the mercenary outfit Merck, Dr. Pestilence, and Masquerade, here on behalf of my closest allies, that espionage agency Thok, for those that were so wrongfully hurt on that Paris day in 1947. Of course, Snake Root, who is here on behalf of their own eco-terrorist cell, Nightshades Bloom. Mr. Mountain, representing his own crime family, based out of Miami. And White Zombie, here to represent the occult interests of the Gravefire Cult. Let me ask you, what has been the driving force of humanity? What is it that separates human beings from the animals that rise on the ground? The answer is knowledge. It was education that told us we did not have to live at the whim of the natural world, that we could conquer it instead. It was what we learned from this conquering that led us to conquer those inferior to ourselves. And it was what we learned from their disdain that let us know how to disguise ourselves in our actions. And yet, there is one area where this knowledge falls short. It was experience that gained us education. Men had been everywhere, had seen everything. Life's greatest experiences had ended with the most of life still to be lived, to find common purpose in the quiet days of peace 
will be hard. But what if you knew what those days held in store? What if, dear allies, you could prepare for the exact time and date that the peace would end? What if you knew how to end it yourself? Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to present to you he lifts his hand up onto the green canvas sheet, shaking with age. He forms a fist, grabbing the sheet and pulling it away to reveal the visage of a woman. The greatest weapon ever created! She's drifting in a tank of medical solution. Her fingers have been replaced with wires, as has her hair, connecting her to a machine on top of the tank. Her eyes glow a strange neon purple as they scan the room frantically, looking at nothing yet everything. And as you look closer, you can see this woman, she's not naked. In fact, she doesn't have any skin at all. It's been stripped away and replaced with connecting plates of metal. In fact, the only thing human left about her is her eyes. Finishing his grand crescendo, Herr Okinator reveals the future! As Herr Okinator reveals this weapon, this woman, the lights begin to flicker. And you can see from inside his trench coat, a strange purple glow emits. Allow me to introduce to you Pantheon Asset F-9 dash F dash two, codenamed the future. Though she appears young and supple to you, this woman, this thing, is actually almost 100 years old. She has had her flesh stripped away she has been relieved of her failing organs, and they have been replaced with miracles of modern machinery. As we enter into the new millennium, cast your eyes on the millennium woman and witness her great and awesome power. Herr Okinator reaches into his coat and pulls out a leather-bound journal that seems to be glowing a strange mystic purple. I hold in my hands the only source of knowledge. He shows the journal to the room and written on it in gold lettering are the words, an unabridged history of mankind. You see, while we claim to be superpowers on the world stage, Young Miss Future here is a superpower in her own right. See her eyes scan the crowd, but she is not looking at you. She is seeing, in fact, through time itself. And everything she witnesses, she keeps record of here in this journal, psychically transmitted from her mind onto the page. 
Inside this journal, there is knowledge that no human eyes, not even mine own, have ever witnessed. Inside this journal is the contents of every decision that will be made for the next 65 years of human history. Pardon me, Herr Akinator. Um, you're saying this contains every decision, so if someone were to purchase this journal, that would already be in the journal, and then anything they do with the journal would also be in the journal, so honestly, this is all predetermined. What's the point? Why hold this auction? Ah, is skeptic, I see. No, I'm not a skeptic. It's just, what's it say? Who buys the thing? Snake root. Do you feel a burning sensation in your chest? Yes. Ask me when you will die, doctor. When am I gonna die? Herr Arcanator opens the book. This states your time of death as five minutes from now. Henchman, please deliver to the good doctor an antidote for what ails him. Uh, one of the henchmen comes over and they give you a small glass vial. Are you going to drink it? Yeah, fuck it, sure. You drink the glass vial and the burning sensation on your chest stops. And Herr Akinator looks down at the book again. Now it says that you will live until the ripe old age of... Well, he closes the book again. That would be a spoiler, now wouldn't it? What is life without a little bit of surprise? And so, he wheels back up the stage. As we enter into the new millennium, can we start the bidding at 100 million? Uh, yeah, I'll raise my hand. Ah, oh, Doctor, I knew you would come along. Off in the distance, you can hear a clock chime 12 times, signifying your arrival into the new year and into the new millennium. Will we raise it to 200 million? Oh yeah, right here. 200 for the Y2K, baby. General Disdain with 200 million. As he keeps talking, you notice that behind him, the future's eyes stop scanning the room. And the journal stops glowing. What about 300 million? I'll bet 300 million. We have the lovely masquerade with 300 million. <coughs> Herr Akinator begins to cough. And masquerade, you begin to feel a burning sensation emanating out from your mask. <coughs> what about 400? <coughs> the lights in the ballroom glow brighter and brighter. By now, the other members of the audience can see sparks flying off of your mask. Soon enough... The very light bulbs of the ballroom explode, leaving you in total and complete darkness. 
You're left in pandemonium. This... The room around you, in total and complete darkness, erupts into a cacophony of sounds. People are pushing each other, shoving chairs out of the way. You can hear footsteps, you can hear screams, you can hear grunts. And Masquerade, you reach up and press a small button hidden on your mask. As you speak, all you hear is static. Static. And a scream. Sickly, deathly coughs string out. And you start to hear a sizzle. Screaming, a mighty death yop. Herr Auchinator lets out one last painful scream as the emergency lights kick on. There in the confusion, you can see while all the supervillains have stood up, the tank that was once holding the future is now empty. Hitler's gun is missing, and Herr Auchinator lies there, charred and covered in boils, lying on the ground in unabridged history of mankind. But who killed Herr Auchinator? What has happened to the future? And what does it mean for the future of our villains? Tune in next week to find out. This has been Murder Mystery Night, the podcast brought to you by Johnny Scott's Comics and Games, located at 1703 East Main Street, Kent, Ohio. Once again, I have been your host, Riley E. Walton. You can find me at the Faker Walton on Twitter. Uh, this has been Mahala Whitecloth playing Masquerade. You can find me on Instagram at Menfea, or you can find me usually at the store DMing some games. And this has been Yasir Pope playing the role of General Disdain. You can find me on Instagram at Yasir P with two underscores. And I've been Benjamin Lambert. I was playing Snake Root. Um, you can find me if you look hard enough in your heart. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Murder Mystery Night Podcast. Our cover art is by Stephen T. Evans. Our music is by Max Lozanich. And one final time, this has been Murder Mystery Night, the podcast. Everybody has their secrets. What's yours? <laughs>